Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12? The title, while you're looking that up, is When God Shakes the Earth and the Heavens. When God Shakes the Earth and the Heavens. Hebrews 12. Um, We'll just lift a few verses. We're going to read from verse 25 until the end of the chapter at verse 29. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth a removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for such a crowd tonight, Lord, when others are away. We ask you to bless them. We ask the Lord for this meeting tonight that you would, Lord, anoint our meeting together. Anoint my lips, Lord. And let us see, Father, the moving of your spirit. Let us realize the coming of the Lord. And help us, Lord, to be drawn to the cross which we have sung about from our hearts. And Father, we ask you in the worthy, the wonderful, the almighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would draw men to him. And we pray, Father, for those who are ministering from here in other churches tonight. We think of Wendy and Louise. Lord, that you would bless them and anoint them, and the family that are with them, some of the family with them. And we pray, Father, for Billy as he ministers, Father, in another church. You bless him. Pray for Ian as he testifies in yet another church. And we thank you, Lord, that you've enabled CET to send out people with gifts and talents and abilities to be able to do these things, to be a blessing to others. But now, Father, we ask you to settle us in our seats, in our hearts, and in your presence. And, O God, that you would speak to every one of us. And, Lord, that you would waken us up. And, O God, that you would call us even into further service. We ask it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. I was mentioning this morning how this message came around. And just briefly on Thursday, I had nothing to preach to you this evening. And on Thursday, I went to seek the face of the Lord, and the heavens were like brass. I felt every time I was on my knees in my study, and every time I prayed, I felt the heavens were like brass. The prayers were reaching the study ceiling and falling to the ground. That's how it seemed to me. I kept persevering in prayer and asking the Lord why my heart felt so dead. And I says, Lord, I need you to help me here. And as soon as I said the words, Lord, shake me, shake me, Lord. I started praying, shake the church, shake your people, shake the lost. 
shake the unsaved. Lord, shake our nation. Will you shake us? And as I started to pray this, felt the Spirit of the Lord resting on me, and this message was birthed out of that. So I believe this is a message for every person here, wherever you are in life. It may be a place where you're not saved and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Maybe for a person who's backslidden and needs to come back to Christ. Maybe for a person who is cold in their heart and needs to be encouraged on. It may be for a person who really just doesn't care anymore. I pray tonight that God would not only shake you, but shake this meeting. Shake you that you'll turn to him and look to him. There are four parts of our reading. And notice this, we won't really do parts one, two, three, and four, but we will mention it in the way through. In verse 27, we have a removing. We have a removing word, and this word yet once more. Notice this word, yet once more. That's what the Hebrew writer is writing. He says, it's already been mentioned in verse 26. Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. Because you see, in the previous verse, he's speaking about when God spoke to Israel in Sinai, and the mountain shook and the people trembled. And he's saying, then I shook again whenever I sent my son to you. And we'll look at that in a moment. And so the idea here is from the time of God's voice in Sinai in Israel, right to when Christ comes and dies on Calvary and is resurrected, it shook everything around. It shook time. It shook men and women. And from then on, the shaking has been going on, it means. And then he looks to the future. We'll look at a little bit of prophecy tonight. And a little bit into the future, when Christ will return and he says, yet once more, I will shake like never before. I'm going to shake the earth, but I'm going to shake the very heavens. I'm going to shake everything, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. God helping me, and God willing, this evening we're going to look at this. And when God spoke to Israel in Sinai, way those thousands of years ago, God started shaking Israel started shaking them whenever he came to the section of Judah, started speaking to them, started shaking Israel right through time into the Protestant Reformation, starts shaking through the Reformation. He starts shaking from there. People shook out of their religious stances. People shook out of the deadness of their hearts. He's still shaking men and women who are unsaved. He's shaking men and women from all over. Every nation now are knowing and feeling the shaking of the Lord. Even the very weathered patterns we're having, even the very uh, climate, climate controls are, are out of control, I should say, even the very things that are happening to natural disasters, God is shaking to say, my son is on his way. My son is coming soon. You better be ready. And may he shake CET tonight. May he shake every heart of every man and every woman. He, the believer needs shook. I'll tell you something, believer, because I believe God's going to shake his church. I believe he's going to shake the deathliness out of his church. He's going to shake the religion out of his church. He's going to shake the church. I'm talking about the blood-washed church because they've went dead. They've become very carnal. They've become very ecumenical. They've become so bad that even the world and the church, there's hardly any difference in much of it anymore. And I believe God's saying, I'm sending my spirit and I'm going to shake every one of you. He's going to shake men and he's going to shake women 
to the point where there will be circumstances and situations that you must turn to God. He will shake your life. He will send circumstance into you. He will shake your home. He will shake your mind. And he'll shake the nonsense and the rubbish out of each and every one of us. I believe he's going to shake CET. If we get conformed to the things of the world, he'll shake in us. If we get back and lay back on our laurels, look what God has done in just a short period of time. And we start laying back on our laurels. We're not going out and we're not reaching the lost and we're not praying for the sick and we're not doing all the things that God has told us to do. God will shake us, friend. Brothers and sisters, God will shake you and he will shake CET and wherever else. We need to look at this tonight. For example, in verse 26 it says, whose voice then shook, notice, speaking of Israel in the Old Testament, shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth, notice, the removing of those things that are shaken. God removes things out of your life. God will remove sin out of your life. God will shake carnality out of your life. God will shake people out of your life. God will shake your loves and your lusts and your desires out of your life. And he says, I will shake you that I may prune you that you may bear more fruit. And sometimes even in an assembly like this, God will send in the word. And it's not a word of comfort but it is a word of admonition. And the word of admonition is a word of comfort to all of those who are wondering what God's going to do. And he shakes the church. He shakes the assembly. And some people fall by the wayside because they can't take it. This word is too hard for me, they say. And God shakes that out. He prunes the vine in order for the branches to be able to bear more fruit. He may do it in your home friend. He may do it in your life. And God will shake everything that is not of him out of us. God will allow circumstances and situations and hurts even and heartaches to come to the life, to come to you into your life and into maybe your family. Why? To waken you up, to look to him that God may be glorified in and through everything. You see, we, we walk away, we go astray. When I would wander from the path astray, yet he will call me back into the way. In the darkest valley I may fear no ill, for he, my shepherd, will be with me still. And the thing is, we look at it as if it's all hearts and flowers, all busting furry cakes and candy floss all over the place. And friend, God, when he takes a dealing, he burns it up and he burns it out of you. And I can tell you, it's not easy. You're going, hey, now hold on, I didn't come out on a Sunday night to hear this. Friend, you'd be glad you're here tonight. You'd be glad you're here tonight. I'll tell you why. Because God loves you enough to bring you here that you might come closer to him. Maybe you're not saved. Something's happened in your life. The devil's had his way with you. God shakes it up a little. That he may bring you to the cross. That you might look to him. It happened in my life. It happened in all these people's lives who are saved. Certain things happened that caused us to realize my hope is in thee. My only hope is in the cross. My only hope is in the blood of Jesus. And see if he come and save my soul, then I have no hope at all. And God allows a shaking in the life to come that we may like look unto him. 
Verse 27 says, And this word, yet once more, notice, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Christian, whatever it is, I'm saying it in love. You look, CT, you know I love you. You know me from off this pulpit. I say it as it is, and I told the Americans this morning, we were talking about the word. They really enjoyed it, they said. And, you know, it's, it was a bit more challenging and they, they, this morning, and they enjoyed it. And we were standing there talking to about two or quarter past two or whatever it was this afternoon. And they, they were talking away about the, uh, the states and stuff like that. And they says how they had heard of CET before. And I said, you know, I'm a Marmite preacher. And they went, Marmite? <laughs> so after explaining what Marmite was, they said, well, what do you mean you're a Marmite preacher? I said, there's a lot of people hate me. But then there's other people love me. I said, so I don't really care as long as the word of God is reaching them. And maybe I'm Marmite to you tonight. Whatever way it is, let the Lord deal with you. Let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord challenge you tonight. Let the Lord and the Spirit of God come to your heart that awakens you tonight. And I may be Marmite, and you may say, I hate him. You know what? I don't care. I love you. I love your soul. Don't care who you are. I love your soul. Notice this, that these things will be removed. Would you say removed? Do you want God to remove you? Speaking to people just last night, there was a word of prophecy given in our last place. Three times a similar word came. And here am I, yep, the Lord said, Where's the Lord's printing the vine and everybody's, oh, yeah, yeah. But when people started dropping off and was like, hey, hold on, Lord, what are you doing? We always think it's someone else. And then it came to the third time and it says, I will remove the minister of the candlestick. So he put me out. <laughs> and that's what happened. It happened just as he said. Exactly as he said. You were there too. Many of you were there. It happened just as he said, because the Lord kept saying, even in the Spirit, and listen, and through the gifts of the Spirit, there was tongue and interpretation, words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy. And through them all throughout the years, it was the Lord was calling, come to me, come to me, come to me. And then it was, if you don't, I will. If you do, I will. But if you don't, I'll do this. And the people wouldn't come. The people didn't listen. And guess what happened? The Lord put me out. Like that. I used to tell the people, listen, see when the Spirit is speaking, don't make light of this, because that's the Holy Ghost. That's God himself. Don't you dare make light of this. I used to tell them that, and they didn't. It was so irreverent at times. And God removed some, and then eventually he removed me. Notice this. We always think it's someone else, and God removes. I don't want anyone to go. Don't get me wrong. I love every one of you. But here's the thing. Sometimes God prunes that which will not hear his voice and answer the call. 
God prunes like he prunes the vine in uh, John chapter 15. Talks about pruning the vine. Why? We're going, but we don't want to lose the grapes that are on that vine. He says, no, you prune that, that will bring forth more fruit. And when God pruned me from the last time, we had the fruit that's come out of it. And the thing is, the thing about, it, about this is, is that even some of those who were saved in the tent are here tonight too. God is God, and let's reverence him in all things and in all ways. And brothers and sisters, I'm unashamed to tell you that I'm a Pentecostal. I make no bones about it. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit as listed in the Word of God. I don't believe in people who would abuse them. I would hinder that or stop that. But I believe in the fullness of the moving of the Holy Ghost in the meeting. And I believe if we start to hinder the Lord when it's done in correct order, you know what happens? God starts to not turn up. We start to die. And maybe we'll all be pruned. Notice what he says. There's things that remove. Of those things that are shaken, God will shake your life and things will fall off at Christian. God will shake your life to a place where things that you're holding on to, things that you're looking to, things that your eyes are upon, things that you put before God, circumstances, loves of your life, your sport could be one. I'm not against it with sports, so I'm just giving the examples. Sport could be one. Your money, your job, even your family, everything, nothing should take the first place of God. And God may shake your life that you'll stop looking at all these things and consumed by them that you may find that they're shaken away in order for you to look to him. In order for you to turn your eyes to him. I feel tonight that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking in this meeting. I feel tonight that the Spirit of God is speaking to hearts tonight. I feel tonight that the Spirit of the living God is speaking to people and showing them, this is your thine idol. This is what you hold dear. This is who you think you are. This is what you want. This is your wills and your wants and your desires. Now he says, give it over to me or there'll be a shaking will come and things will start to fall off you. See, you're better to yield yourself to God rather than God shaking out of you. And those things that are his will remain. The, the, the times you spend in his presence, the service that you give to him, the time that you yield to him, coming to Christ, everything that's of God shall remain brother, shall remain sister. It's only those things. The old hymn writer had it true. There's only one life will soon be passed. There's only what's done for Christ will last. And we can go to our midweek things and we can do all those but once they come into the place where God should be God will shake your life that you won't be able to stand it oh I didn't want to hear that tonight oh come on that's a bit rough just showing you what God gave me I'm just telling you what the Lord told me the spirit of God is speaking here and I know he's speaking here. And he's showing you and telling you 
Now you must yield to him. Notice the second one is this. Removing of those things that are shaken as of those things that are made. Notice that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So you underline removing and then at the end of the verse underline remain. Removing. Remain. Lord, whatever it is, show me it. I'll give it to you. I yield it to you. Lord, I want your presence in my life. I want to remain in your glory. I want to remain in fellowship with you. I want to remain under the power, the anointing, and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. I want to remain, Lord, close by your side. I want to remain in communion with you, Lord. He says, sometimes I must shake the life out of you. Sometimes even... If the Lord steps back, it could be an ailment and an illness that the devil will inflict. And the Lord says, thus far and no further. Now turn on to me. You may say that's a bit hard. That's a bit harsh for the Lord to do that. Let me tell you something why he does that. He does it because he loves you. It's the shepherd's crook to draw you into the way. And if he didn't, you and I would be lost forever. And then if you let your, your eye run down to Uh, Verse 28, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. Hallelujah. There's your next one. Receiving. Receiving. So you have removing, remain, receiving. See, if you are going on with God and you're saved by grace and through faith in him, he has a kingdom that will not be removed, even though the worlds are removed, even though the world changes, even though everything around us is falling apart, you can be assured of this, the kingdom of God shall not be moved. Not be moved in your life. He is the same yesterday, on today, and forever. He says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah God. Listen. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. Now, we stop there. He says, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Do you know why we're not consumed? He's saying, I am who I am, and I change not. But as for you, you have Jacob's old twisted nature in you. That's why he says, you're carnal. See, Jacob was an old twister, the heel grabber. He was the carnal one. He says, my, my people are like that. He says, you're like, you're, he says that you're like Jacob's flesh. You're off the seed of Jacob. You're like that twister. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means prince or ruler with God. He says, I want you to be a ruler with me. And my kingdom shall not be moved. This world is going to change when Christ returns. This world is going to change. But he'll remain the same. I remember a lot of years ago, I used to walk over where the park was and there was a bit of a, the main road and the shore road was there. And all the streets where I used to run around and get up to no good and all my antics that I'm not going to tonight. And there's all those rows of streets and you used to walk up along the hill of the park and I used to walk up and down there when I was saved, just praying over the streets. Early in the morning, there was no one about. Lord, 
will you do this? And Lord, these ones here. And I used to name them by names, the boys that were the bad boys getting up to no good. And the girls. And I remember whenever I was walking up and down one morning, I looked and that was different than that bar I used to drink in. It's gone. Knocked down. Praise God. <laughs> but it's gone. It's knocked down. And I looked on down a bit and where I used to run around and some of the entries I used to scurry up to get out of the road at times, they weren't there. There was different houses there. All changed. And it started to get that even the park front area started to change. It's completely changed now. And I remember walking up and down and thinking, this is all changed, Lord. Everything's changing. I remember, I remember this clear as I'm standing before you. Everything is changing, Lord. Everything around me is changing. I was looking up and down the road and I was looking for even focal points where I used to be all the time and they were getting less and less and less. Even the buildings, the people, everything was changing. And I remember standing going to pray and I remember the Spirit of the Lord winging the word to me. Yes, son, but I am the Lord and I change not. Like the old hymn writer said, I change, he changes not. The Christ can never die. His love, not mine. The resting place, his truth, not mine is the tie. The thing is, our love changes. Our love is more one day and less the next. Our love is high, our love is low. Our love is better, our love is less, our love is worse. And he remains the same all the time. Everything will change. This earth is going to receive a great shaking when Christ returns. The heavens are going to change. The earth will change. But he will always remain the same. Isn't that wonderful? Now, have you received the kingdom of God? That is, have you received Christ as your Savior? And in verse 28, Therefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence. He brings us right into the here and now. Shows us the future. Shows us our past and then goes into the future and brings us right back to where we are. Let us walk acceptable before God. So that's my introduction. I haven't even touched the first line of a note yet. Whenever it says, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Here, he's taking a prophecy. The Hebrew writer's taking the prophecy from the prophet Haggai. Maybe you'd like to turn over with me, if you will. I'm going to look for it myself here. And... It's Haggai, is, it's actually the third book from the end of your Old Testament. Malachi is the last, Zechariah is the penultimate, and then Haggai. If that helps you any. And notice what it says, chapter 2, and let's just read from verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. There's a word for us, isn't it? And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord. 
of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. So here, way before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, through the spirit of Jesus, or the spirit of prophecy, he speaks of Christ's coming. And he speaks of shaking again. In verse 4 of Haggai 2, we have a surety. If you want to underline it, a surety. A surety. He says this, I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. There's no surety like knowing that he is with you no matter where you go. I, I, I don't know how many people that I've spoken to and they have no assurance or there's people who are unsaved and they get through life even without knowing Christ or thinking about Christ. And the Lord says, be strong, be strong, be strong and do not fear. Your assurity is that I am with you. That I'm with you. He's with you when you close your eyes at night. He's with you in your unconscious state whenever you're in dreamland. He's with you when you open your eyes in the morning. He's with you on the way to work and he's with you when you're in your work and he's with you whenever the boss is getting at you. <coughs> he's with you when you go to the doctors and he's with you when you're at the hospital appointment and he's with you when you're getting bad news and he's saying, don't be afraid. Be strong, he says. Be strong, be strong and fear you not for I am with you. Oh, to know that Christ is with us. To know that Christ will neither leave us nor forsake us. To know that Christ is even with us in the power of the Spirit, right at our very elbow, residing in our lives, abiding in our hearts, that no matter what we face, no matter where we go, and no matter what happens on the earth or the heavens, we've received the kingdom of God, and we know that He is with us. Oh, a surety in Christ. It rests not on who you are. It rests not on who you are or where you're from or what you can do. It rests solely, totally, uniquely, only, and completely on what he has done when he died at Calvary. <laughs> he shed his blood for you. Listen, Christ shed his blood for you. And he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Secondly, we have security. Assuredly, now security. Verse 5, Haggai 2. In verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you. Notice, here is your security because of his word. Because of his covenant. And the word is, that he told Israel, coming out of Egypt, he says, you walk with me and I'll walk with you and I'll be with you. 
And he covenanted through Abraham, right through Isaac and Jacob. And he covenanted and he keeps his covenant promises. Do you know that? You can trust him. Friends, you can trust him. It doesn't matter whether it's this evening in CET or when you go home. It doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter. He says, I'm with you. You trust me. You trust me, he says. I've covenanted with you. You know the greatest covenant of all? Thank the Lord for the Abrahamic covenant. And the many multitudinous of his seed that we are. Thank the Lord for it. But you know the greatest covenant of all? It's called the covenant of the everlasting blood, or the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's the covenant of Christ on Calvary's tree. It's the covenant when Jesus said, it is finished, and he paid our debt in full. And because of that word and that covenant to us, he says, I'm with you. I've covenanted with you that if you come under the fountain of blood and if you trust in my son and if you give your life to him and you surrender yourself, he says, my covenant will remain true to you. And even whether it be the devil or whether it be death or whether it be at his second coming, whether it be the shaking of the earth on the heavens, he says, you will not be removed because he says, you are mine. Come on, church. The word of the Lord is sure. It is forever settled in heaven. His word will not return unto him void. And he says, because of the word I speak unto thee and the covenant that I made, he says, your security is found in me. Friend, I'll tell you, I don't have security in anyone else. My security is found in Christ alone, my cornerstone. And then we find, fourthly, in verse 6, the uncertainty. I will shake the heavens and the earth. Verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. See, there's coming a time, God willing, to be honest, I'm only on about line number four, and I'm about seven pages And I wish now I wasn't going to the States on Thursday because I'd have preached the next part next week. Notice here what he says. He says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and I'm going to shake all the nations. <laughs> Look, what I tell you, man's trying to do their best, but the best of men are only men at their best. And they're lost. They don't know what to do. They're gathering together and these huddles and these G20s and they're gathering together in these European councils and they're gathering together in the WTO and they're gathering together in all these weird and, I was going to say wonderful, but they're not that wonderful, all these weird and wacky conglomerates of men. And it doesn't add up to a row of beans. They just get even worse and worse and worse and worse. And the Lord says, you see, I'm shaking the nations. There's nothing you can do about it. God is moving in the nations and he's calling his elect church and when he is done, he will send forth his son. I heard a great report just this week 
They were praying for a, a pastor in Rwanda. He was put in prison for just preaching the gospel. And then they were going to release him. And they, the news went out, this pastor had been released, but they put him back in again, just as quick as they released him. So everyone was down on heart. The church got down. And over in England, they were praying. And over here, there were groups praying for him. Listen to this. I God answered prayer. And one day, the ungodly heart of the Rwandan president was turned like that by the Lord. He released over a thousand pastors in one day. Over a thousand in one day. See how God can work like that. So we have the Lord, the uncertainty of it all. God will shake the heavens and the earth and the nations. And then there's the maturity in verse 7. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. Who is that? Who's the desire of all nations? There only is one. His name is Jesus. Notice, here's the maturity, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. What do you mean, Ken, there's the maturity? Everything has been shaken and out of the road, and the wheat has been gathered in the maturity of it. Every grape on the vine comes to bring a cluster. That is a glory unto God. And here he says, now this is what I've been forming of my people. Will you be there? Will you be there? So in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 26, once more, or yet once more, refers to the coming of the Lord Jesus. In other words, he, it speaks about his first coming. He spoke in Sinai to Israel. Then he comes again to Judah uh, and the Judah section there of, of Israel, and he dies on the cross. He's rejected by the Jew, and he dies on the cross, and then the gospel goes out for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and they start to hear the gospel being preached all over, and people start to be gathered in unto Christ. He says, but I'm coming again. The shaking keeps happening in our lives, in our churches. It keeps happening in our homes. It keeps happening all over. But there's a great shaking to come again. This is what I had written. And I'm just going to read it. He says, Yet once more refers to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first time looking for the second. The Hebrew writer says to those he came out of Judaism that Christ shook up the false religion, their ideology, and their self-righteous delusional ways of man. Notice, Christ took the fig tree of Jewry and he shook it. And he shook it and everything that wasn't of him died, withered away and the temple was destroyed in AD 70 by his first coming. The coming, I'm going to continue on. The coming of Christ the words of Christ, the teachings of Christ, his parables, his preaching, the miracles of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the claims of Christ, the power of Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ shook the Jewish authorities. 
shook the ecclesiastical powers of his day, shook the Talmudic traditions, shook the city of Jerusalem, and gathered the Judaite remnant unto himself that believed in his name. Christ shook them all so hard that that which was only joined firmly to the vine of John 15 was able to get through that day. He shook the ritual and the traditions of men. He shook their self-serving. He shook their ungodliness. And with the purifying, purging fire of his own righteous person in their midst, he shook them up so much they were shown up in their wickedness and like dross they came to the top and they were scraped or scored off as they would a dross. And you find out that the arch of Titus there in Rome it has a big arch that is there and it depicts all that happened and up to a million Jews died or were crucified. They actually ate their own children. They were so hungry. What a sight. The first coming of Christ shook the old covenant and brought in the new covenant. He shook the curse of the law. He shook the curse of that law off the transgressor and brought in the covenant of grace. He from heaven spoke on earth and shook Sinai. He shook greater still the darkness off men. Christ came and men were sitting in darkness. And the darkness saw great light, the scriptures tell us. And the light of the word was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when he came in, the only righteous man on earth, he came in, a light shining in the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. And we're told that Christ stood out among all other men. And he shook everything all around him just by being in their presence. Shook the Roman authorities. He shook Pontius Pilate in his boots. He shook Nero. He shook the whole lot of them. And he takes men and women still unsaved and in their sin. And he comes in the power of his Holy Spirit. And he says, here he is, the Son of God. And he shakes you out of your darkness to bring you into his marvelous light. Praise God that he does. Praise God that he has. I trust tonight, praise God, that he will. So he shakes once, yet once more, he says, I shake not only the earth, but the heaven also. This is what it really means. It means I've shook, I've been shaking. And it talks of a continuous shaking. But when he says yet, this word yet once more, I shake. It means this is the final shaking. Folks, we're getting to the finality of this age when Christ will come and he will shake and that which is only done for Christ will last. And only those who are in Christ will be in his kingdom. This speaks off and looks toward the second coming. When Jesus comes back again, he will shake the earth. He's going to shake the leaders of this earth. He's going to shake the rulers of this earth. He's going to shake the governments of this earth. He's going to shake the new world order to the fall to bits. He's going to shake the European Union until it crashes down around them. He's going to shake every work of ungodliness of demons and devils. 
He's going to shake every false religion. He's going to shake the wickedness of man. He's going to shake the antichrist spirit that's now prevalent in the earth, the beast, the dragon, and the false prophet. He's going to come in power and great glory, and he's going to shake the beast that will speak of the European Union and all the tentacles it has around the earth. The Roman church, he's going to shake the, he's shaking the Roman Catholic church. He's taking it down. It's going to fall down around him. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, saith the scriptures. And you and I are living in those days. We're living in those days. We're seeing it happening. And the church needs shook up because we're sleeping. He's going to shake the dragon of communism and socialism and Marxism. It's rife. It's everywhere. It's in every liberal agenda throughout every nation, right into little old Ulster tonight. And it's trying to raise its head above the Christian life and above the Word of God. It's trying to denounce the gospel. It's trying to take God's Word and destroy it and put it apart through media, social media, radio, television, newspapers. But guess what? Christ is coming and he's going to shake it all. Oh, the, that old communist, Marxist, socialist, every one of them will be shaking in their boots when the King of Kings comes. And he's going to shake the false prophet. Old Muhammad. He's going to come and all they hear him, we, we see it all over is the rise of Islam, radical Islam, and this Islam and that and all. We see it all. Guess what? <laughs> Jesus is coming, and Jesus is going to destroy it all. Amen. He says, yet once again, one more time, one final time, he says, I am coming, and I will shake the earth, and I'll also shake the heavens. Who wants to give me an hour, 10 minutes to finish this? Everybody all right yet? I were okay yet. Notice, he will shake the international banking elite, the Edomite jury banking, the Rothschilds, and the Goldman Sachs, and the Bilderbergers, the Soros, oh, George Soros, funding all sorts of ungodliness in the nation. Listen, Christ is coming and he's going to take people like that and destroy them. Every one of them. And he's going to come and he's going to shake, as it were, every Christ rejecter. Every Christ rejecter. Every man and woman that rejects Christ as their savior, he will reject them. Only that which is born and birth of God will remain. I thank the Lord that I know that I am in Christ and Christ is in me and that I'm going to remain. <laughs> I don't mean in Europe now, I'm, I'm, I'm a Brexiteer. I'm talking about we're a, a Brexiteers, but we're remainers in the kingdom of God. Amen. So he says... Not only the earth, but the heavens. Will you turn with me to Isaiah 65? Isaiah 65. And notice, we're just going to lift out a verse here, just for time's sake. Isaiah 65. 
Verse 17. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, for the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. The Lord says, I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So that's what we have to look forward to. This is the second, yet once more I shake the heavens and the earth. He's going to bring a new one in after that. Now, when we speak of heavens, in prophecy, heavens can be literal and, or they can be symbolic. Let me give you an example. In Genesis 37, if you can turn with me quickly, that's okay, or you can listen. Genesis chapter 37, please. I'm sure we're all familiar with Joseph and the dreams. Uh, notice what it says here. Let your eye run down, please. The verse 9. And he, Joseph, dreamed another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? Now I notice this. Here Joseph said, I have a dream. And there's the sun and the moon and the 11 stars. Obviously, Joseph was the 12th one. And he says, uh, uh, and he's all bowed down to my star. And the fa his father, Jacob, says, hold on a wee minute. Do you think that I and your mother, that is the sun and the moon, we're going to bow down to you with your brethren? So the stars can represent uh, tribal leadership and then later into governments. Will you go with me, please, to the book of Revelation, please, chapter 12? I want to just make a brief point, and maybe sometime we'll do an in-depth teaching on this, but I really just don't have time at this point to do this. Revelation chapter 12, please. Let your eye just, we'll start at verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and the seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that she should feed, he, they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. What does that mean? You see, and the thing is that the, the, a lot of the Protestant church said, well, that's, that's replacement theology. That's the church. No, it's not. No, it isn't. And the Roman Catholic Church say, that's Mary giving birth to Jesus. No, it isn't. The Bible's already told us what it is. The woman is Israel. Jacob, the moon. You see that? Mother and father, there's the sun, the stars around the head, which meant that they were the 12 tribes put out into the wilderness, scattered this is scattered Israel. The gospel, as I said, go out after them, feeding them, and them starting to build up. 
Ezekiel chapter 37 is the valley of dry bones. This is the woman, as it were, Israel scattered. And the Lord says unto Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? He says, Thou knowest, Lord, he says, prophesy unto the bones. In other words, preach the word. Prophesy. You know what we need? We need prophets and preachers of the word of God over the nation. Prophesy unto the bone. He prophesies. And then the Lord says, prophesy to the winds. In other words, now you need the Holy Ghost. We're told there was, listen, a great shaking. Read Ezekiel 37. It's a great shaking came. Shook them out of their death. They started to form up like an exceeding great army. The Bible tells us and explains itself This was Israel, the woman scattered. The Protestant Reformation was uh, part of that calling. Then the Pentecostal flame came, filled us with the Holy Ghost, and we went forth bringing the gospel around the world. Isn't it fantastic? I'm going to have to stop. Give me another few minutes. The Lord says, that behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. Listen to what Peter says. Chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. 2 Peter 3, 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Peter is saying, we're still looking for this next shaking when Jesus comes. We're looking for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We're waiting for it. We're looking for it. We're watching for it. We're praying for it. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And then John, he sees it, Revelation 21 and 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. People say, well, I like the seaside. I like the fish, or I like the seaside. Listen, Really, the sea doesn't always mean the literal sea in Scripture. You know that. In the book of Revelation, the sea means troubled nations. There's no more troubled peoples. There's no more troubled nations. Do you know the prophet speaks of at the coming of the Lord? He says, even the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And people have this idea in their head there's going to be trees and they're waving their branches like big hands. I've heard it, I've read it all. Friends, that's not what it means. The trees speak of people. The trees speak of nations. The desire of nations who we read about. He comes because Armageddon is in full flight. And if he doesn't come, even the very elect won't be saved. (laughs) But he is coming. And he will come. And he's going to set his feet upon the Mount of Olives. Which is on the east of Jerusalem. There's going to be a great earthquake. So if you want to get over to Jerusalem to see it, you better hurry up. Because it's just going to be a big earthquake right down to the Horn of Africa. How do you know? Because that's where the fault line is. There's a fault line there, that's where it is. And Christ is going to walk in the eastern gate. Listen, he's not walking into a rebuilt temple. No. He's walking not to be a priest. He's walking in to be a king. He's a king priest unto God. So there's a shaking coming. And I better stop. In our reading, Hebrews 12, isn't it amazing what the Lord shows you in prayer? 
isn't it? One minute you're sitting like a dead duck. Next thing you're soaring like a big eagle. All because God speaks to you in the word. Start, start with one. Shake, Lord. When you shake the church, shake the world. And he says, son, here's the word. Go and read it. Notice this. Verse 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. The idea isn't here, oh, we need to be flower power, hippie style, full of, you know, all this nonsense that we're hearing. That's not what it means. Mamby, pomby, ponzi sort of stuff, you know. I'm not allowed to say that word anymore, sure you're not. <laughs> Talking about the floor now, you know. That's <laughs> not what it means. It means let us live in grace. God, give us the grace to continue on in you in the darkest of days. That's what it means. Father, will you give us in CET, will you give those who are watching this, who are watching it live, or those who will listen, will you give us the grace to continue on your work, to labor on for you? Will you give us the grace to walk right by you? Will you give us the grace that we need, Lord, to serve you? Will you give us the grace to keep going on and to hold on through the darkest of days, through the worst times? Will you give us the grace that we need, Father, that we may serve you with a full, a true, and a whole heart? That's the idea of it. He says, listen, you're receiving a kingdom. Now I keep crying out for grace. That's the idea of it. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The word for godly fear here isn't the word phobos, which is for fear in many of the scriptures. It's where we get our word phobia from. You know, arachnophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, all those phobias. It's not, it means, oh, you're really afraid. Even homophobia isn't a proper word, you know that? Homo means man and phobia means great fear. And because you don't like their lifestyle, you don't hate them, sure you don't. You don't want to hurt anyone. Absolutely no way. No way. But it does mean yeah, either you're standing biting your nails like out of a ghost train, heart fear them. <laughs> There's the gas coming. That's the idea of it. I'm <laughs> not... <laughs> I'm standing. <laughs> Just lost the meeting there, didn't I? <laughs> I'm trying to explain the idea of fear. You know, like arachnophobia. Ah, spider. You know, somebody is jumping. We were in there on Friday night. About I don't know where it was about eleven o'clock or what it was. Not Ammo and Cap is talking. Anyway, and uh, and there was a couple of others there, and Lindsay thought there was a spider in her hair. And, I mean, I thought Lindsay stuck her fingers in the socket. Her hair was like this. She was like, <laughs> that's phobia. That's phobos. And we're not like that with the homosexual community. Like, nah. People tend to think that's not what it's like. But anyway, that's phobos. Here the word is dios. It means to have a reverence, respect for God. You see, his perfect love in those who are saved 
casts out all fear. But I'll tell you, the next verse says, Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And if you're not saved, if you're not saved and ready to meet Christ, then you need to be afraid. Ken, do you live in fear to meet God? No. Because I'm so good? No. Because I'm so wonderful and holy? No, because I'm not. But because I'm trusting in him. And his perfect love for me casts out all fear. May God bless his word to us. For Christ is returning and he will shake the earth and the heavens. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. It's not going to be a fantastic day. Amen.